Hello again, and welcome to the next exciting installment of the Who Cares About Anime podcast. It's me, Johnny Lobo. I'm introducing myself because you might have forgotten by now. It's It's been that long, and I do apologize for that. Life has been very busy uh, lately, but uh, I'm humbled that uh, that that uh, still have some listeners out there, some subscribers, um, who might want to hear somebody ramble about anime, new or old, popular or niche. So here we go. Joining me today, and in person, in the studio, we might say, is my good friend, Michael, who uh, I'm sure you, uh, you're familiar if you've been a listener on this, on this cast for any length of time. Uh, he's been on numerous casts with me, and the way we've got this set up here is uh, we, we, we will literally be handing off the microphone to each other back and forth uh, as we're talking. So I, I'm going to go ahead and just experiment real quickly there. How you doing? I'm sweating bullets right now, John. Well, I don't think that's a problem for somebody of your caliber, Mike. (laughs) This is only going to get worse from here, folks. So as you may have deduced right now, um, the title we want to talk about today is No Guns Life. And uh, original author is uh, Tosco Karasuma. And and, uh, in short here, as of this recording... Here we are. It's just now. Uh, we're taking our uh, tepid, timid, feeble steps into 2020. And, uh, and uh, Mike here put me onto this anime. I was aware of its existence, but I, I kind of said, ah, I don't know if they're just going for a quick novelty grab of this guy's got a gun for a head. And most people tend to not have a gun for a head. So I kind of said, ah, you know, maybe at some point, but I'm so busy right now. Uh, there's some great shows I want to catch, but I've just, I'm just trying to find time. Well, finally we did find time and I'm so glad that we did. Uh, we went ahead and, and we, we watched it together and, uh, and we watched the dub, uh, by Funimation, some familiar voices, some new voices, but, uh, it, it really seems like everything is top notch about this anime. And that's really what spurred me speaking of, you know, I, I on the one hand, I haven't had time to do a lot of podcasting lately, but on the other hand, when it's important, when it's something you want to do, you make the time, you find the time. And so that's why we're here today. And it's uh, probably, I dare say, uh, uh, Mike, just so you're aware as well, this is probably going to be even more off the cuff than we're used to, uh, because I, I don't have any specific questions planned. I don't know a whole lot about the the backstory of this one, as opposed to other more nostalgic uh, you know, titles that, that we've done. I don't have a whole you know, uh, backlog of, of, of memories and nostalgia associated with this. It's just something that uh, we, we both watched and, and similar to, I guess, Megalobox is probably the last time we, we had this. We watched something that's, that is new and coming out and we said, wow, I remember why I started doing this podcast. I want to talk about it. So here we go. For those of you who, uh, again, don't know or just need a refresher as we're talking about this, we are going to be focusing more on the anime. I have not read the manga. Uh, sadly, I might might have to uh, remedy that at some point. But this is who cares about anime after all. And here is your here's your sign. Uh, here here's here's your spoiler alert warning. Uh, we're probably going to be casually uh, dropping spoilers along the way as we talk about this. So uh, let's go ahead, and I will pass the mic to Mike. And uh, and and why don't you uh, you know just start with um. What drew you in, and what were some of your first thoughts? So, I had actually found the thing that had gotten me into it in the first place was I was looking around Tumblr. This was actually before the anime came out. And naturally, Tumblr, like other social media places, have unique, funny ways of doing memes and stuff like that. And there was a, there was a panel from the manga where it shows the main character, Juzo, and it's he's looking at something or someone you can't see, and it just says... I have a gun for a head. I don't have to tell you shit. And so I remember, like, me being me, I'm a huge fan of, you know, the 80s action stars like Stallone and Schwarzenegger and stuff like that. That re- that that calls to me because, like, it, it's just, it's so over the top. And he had a gun for a head. You'll, you'll see that's a theme throughout this podcast and the show and everything. Like, him having a gun for a head is so crazy and absurd, but ironically is so refreshing compared to all of these other main characters that you see. So I had the idea, I wanted to go look through the manga or read it. And then not long after I had had that idea, 
they announced, oh, No Gun's Life is getting turned into an anime. So I'm like, hooray, I won't have to worry about that. And I watched the first episode subbed. I really enjoyed it. But then as our schedules both are, we're super busy, didn't get around to it. There was actually another anime coming out that I really wanted to check out. And coupled with all the stuff going on in our lives, I kind of just put it on the back burner. I figured oh, I'd catch it when it's done. Do the Netflix thing. Wait, binge through it when it's all done. So then John and I went through it and started watching it dubbed. And I can safely say that I would say that the dub is as good as the sub. And I, you know, the initial impressions of it, I just, I really, I really enjoyed how different it was. I really enjoyed how different the setting was. I really enjoyed uh, just the initial coming into it. It hit all of the right, all of the things, all the check marks that I need to see or hear or whatever that make up a good series. No Guns Life checked all those off. All right. Thanks for sharing, man. Yeah. Uh, well, um, yeah, as, as you well know, of course, the listeners don't. We were talking about this as we were watching it last night. It's nice to have a um, uh, a third party character stand in for the viewers when two people who already know what each of them, uh, what we're talking about. But yeah, you know, I, I um, really, I mean, it, it was at this point getting to that middle age anime phase, I guess, where, you know, I, I kind of, if I see something that really grabs me, I still want to catch Cannon Busters, but I'm pretty much now it's like, you know, if a, if a good friend recommends something to me, I'll go, oh, well, all right, I, I, I better check it out then. And so that was what, you know, you, you brought me into this. And right away, there is a little bit of, okay, you know, you, you, most of the time it's unavoidable in a lot of ways. You have some initial exposition uh, uh, info dump uh, when it's more erroneous or uh, egregious rather i should say so it had just a, a just a sprinkling of that and uh but that can be really bad with light novels and the way light novels and a lot of manga are getting adapted a lot of times they are they are adapted to the different medium of television and animation without consideration made for like a, a better adjusting for that having said that though here what was really clever about it, and again, kind of refreshing, was uh, both in terms of how it, it's telling its story, in terms of the main character, uh, even his occupation, his uh, consulting firm, uh, and the aesthetic, the visually, it's absolutely, it's a lot of film noir, uh, you know, techniques and styles that are being adopted here. The, the, in film study circles, folks, the jury is still out on whether uh, film noir is a proper genre or a style, but that is, that is not the topic of discussion here. So either or uh, way we refer to it off the cuff is how we're going to refer to it. Um, some other things, though, that really caught my eye, you know, seeing the Unreal Engine uh, in the credits and then seeing how that was used. In, in just creative ways and in ways that, you know, did not offend a lot of our sensibilities about uh, what anime, quote unquote, ought to look like. Uh, there's no rules that say it has to look like that. But, you know, I, I do like when, when uh, you know, it has that 2D style for the characters and stuff that we're all used to. But the Unreal Engine and the 3D effects used for the environments a lot of times, uh, it really lended to also to um, we have this uh, very, you know, cyberpunk-esque the opening says something to the effect of, I know they dropped SF, that's for you hard, hardliner science fiction folks. That's it. We don't, we don't call it sci-fi necessarily with SF if you're talking, you know, Philip K. Dick or, or anything of the sort. So it's got the, uh, some trappings of cyberpunk there with a, uh, a you know, very powerful uh, corporation uh, that is pulling a lot of the strings and has a lot of, of the power in the society as opposed to, um, well, speaking of more of uh, some of Philip K. Dick's stuff or other authors where it's more of a uh, Orwellian type of uh, the government uh, is the one pulling all the strings. Of, although, of course, we see a lot of nuance in this where uh, the, the, the government also is a big factor in a lot of these pulling strings um, that affect main character Juzo. Uh, society, uh, there are ways that the agendas of the big money, big corporations, and government oftentimes are 
conflicting or they are you know similar like-minded goals and how they are working with each other how they're working against each other is all really well done and uh it, it really made for an engaging world to me i was seeing the the styles of it and then i looked in the credits and, oh madhouse the character designs are all very refreshing and not just the ones that have weapons for heads they uh you know very much uh i got some uh, trigun kind of vibes and then even more so when I'm seeing this this other gun slave show up in the way um, Juzo, for, for for instance, if he kind of loses control, he ends up being uh, this weapon of mass destruction, even if it's against his will. He doesn't want to be that very much like Vasha Stampede, very much like the Iron Giant sort of thing of what if a gun had a soul and it didn't want to be a gun? And here we are, this very, very, uh, you know, very similar theme there. I don't know if that was intended as inspiration or not on the author's part but it certainly is a similar similar theme that i i really loved i think our american sensibilities again just with anything guns it looks cool but without delving into that as well there's just lots of ways that uh, our society and our culture interacts with guns and the iconography of guns and firearms so like you said it had a lot of for me too going through um i don't literally do this folks when I go watch something, and I don't recommend that you do either, but in that sense, it was checking all of the boxes. It was starting to check. I'm like, okay, it's got that. Ooh, I like that. Oh, I didn't even see that coming, but I like that. Check check another box off. And uh, it was really interesting, too, seeing it. You know, maybe we'll go into this a bit later. I don't know, but I was seeing the Trigun kind of vibes. I was getting some FMA vibes. I wonder if Arakawa was an influence to this author. Um, whether or not I think I think the people making the anime kind of turned into that skid, <laughs> as uh, you know, uh, because that's what that's what companies tend to do. They go, oh, that one popular thing, let's make this a little bit more like that. But um, there there are even some similarities though between Full Metal Alchemist and uh, and Trigun, really. That I don't I don't know if there's any explicit uh, inspiration there, but you have uh, uh, Vash and Knives, you have. Uh, Hohenheim and Father, um, but I digress. Uh, some some other uh, more on the artistic side of things. I was noticing some very how the characters looked, the very expressive eyes. Anime tends to have that anyway, but very um, very thick, heavy lines used in the art. Um, it was uh, felt very reminiscent of Attack on Titan uh, to me as well. Um, and uh, we even saw a little, um, I saw, you know, uh, something, some, some obscure wall graffiti, God is in his heaven, all is right with the world. Definitely. I think there are some, some, some Ava callbacks. I'm sorry, folks. I'm not really, but if you don't like Ava, oh, it's overrated. Well, too bad. 1995. And here it is 2020. Evangelion is still, and will for a very long time be inspiring, uh, other anime, other manga and anime out there. So I guess deal with it dot GIF in that <laughs> regard. But, but, um, so yeah, I guess, um, if you had, uh, any other thoughts on that, Mike, or if you wanted to get into some favorite characters, kind of like we usually do on this cast and, and, you know, why you like them, what you like about them, what are your thoughts? Well, I have a, uh, the thing that you said under the title, uh, that little English was SF hard boiled the gun smoke drifts muzzle talks that's beautiful uh no it you know I, there are a couple of things that you'd said that i had really wanted to point out was uh you know the thing that's very prevalent in this that i don't think i've ever seen in another anime was the use of unreal engine as a uh the 3d that is used in the series and honestly because of the setting it reminds me a little bit for anybody who's a fan out there of like the old resident evils it reminds me of that you have these pre-rendered backgrounds and then you have the characters walking through it and the way no guns does it and the setting does it it's very i don't know if i'd say refreshing but it works and one of the things that no guns life does that i really appreciate that other anime don't and it's to me it's a sin is ultimately anime call me a purist on this but anime should be a 2d format when it moves to 3D, it loses part of what makes it anime. That's just my opinion. But No Gun's Life is the perfect 
mix of those two things because none of the main characters are ever in 3D. Never. None of them are. They are all drawn in a 2D anime style. Now, there are characters in the background, and the backgrounds themselves are sometimes 3D. A lot of the times they're 3D. But it becomes a part of its aesthetic, and I feel like that, that, uh, you know, shows like Goblin Slayer, to me, did not do that right. Goblin Slayer, in the first episode, has the Goblin Slayer be in 3D. That, to me, it takes me out of it, because it's like, I... You couldn't even keep the main characters in 3D, you, or you couldn't even keep the main characters in 2D. You don't even have the budget for that, you know? So that was something that I really felt like No Guns Life did right, uh, and using the Unreal Engine was a unique way of doing that. Uh, I also really liked, you know, the the references. You know, there obviously we have the Ava reference, which you pointed out to me, John, which was really cool. Um, and it's just stuff like that. You really see No Guns Life wear it on its sleeve. It very much... It reminded me a little bit of FMA. I was, like, the way that the characters are drawn, especially the girls, reminds me a lot of JoJo. It has very much that style to it. It's very, very heavy on style, at least as far as, like, the character designs are concerned. But one of the other things that, you know, I really liked, each of the characters I really, really enjoyed. I'm a sucker. I'm a super sucker for a good ensemble cast. Like, I, I really could give less of a shit about the, the plot and the story so much as the characters telling the story are doing it really well. And I can identify with those characters in some way, or I even like or hate the characters. Cause there are a couple characters that, you know, I didn't think I wasn't sure like, Oh man, is that, you know, am I going to like this character? Is this character maybe doing a little bit too much, but all of the characters have their place and nobody I feel like is getting really more screen time than they should. I feel like everybody is, uh, everything fits really, really well. And that's, you know, one of those checkmark boxes we were talking about, like, they're doing that right. I will, I will agree with you, you know, the first thing that no, very few shows are perfect. And in the first episode, there's a ton of exposition. There's a ton of exposition that they, I feel like they could have maybe mitigated a little bit better. But as episodes go on, they do much better about it. And the exposition becomes much more noir-like. And you expect that in noir. You expect you know, Juzo to be like, this is blah, blah, blah city. This is what we do. They get a lot better about that as episodes go on. And the gun puns get a lot better as time goes on. It's, it very much leans into the fact that Juzo looks absurd and they have fun with it, but it still takes itself seriously enough that, you know, whenever, you know, when Mary is talking about her, her background or, you know, uh, Tetsuro is talking about his background, which by the way, I want to point this out because it is on the point of the characters. Uh, Tosku Karasuma, unlike a lot of people, he is currently, if the internet is to be believed, 42 years old. He started working on No Guns Life when he was in his mid-30s, which is a difference, a big difference in, you know, the way a lot of authors work because they come into it in their sometimes late teens or, you know, early 20s. And the way that they represent characters or the way they have characters do things is very, very different. Like, when you first see Tetsuro, you expect him to be the golden boy. You expect him to be the shonen protagonist and he's gonna, his power of harmony is gonna be the, the game changer. Well, come to find out that one, it's not really. And two, he ends up being an annoying asshole a lot. And, and it doesn't, it doesn't ever like it doesn't ever really work for him and you never see that like you never see the annoying asshole kid he is you said this beautifully john you said he is everything that people hate about shinji akari but is not but is actually what people hate about it and not what shinji is and on the one hand you go oh man he's really annoying but at the same time like it works it works because he he doesn't fall into that that trapping of oh i'm gonna be the savior kid uh, and he really becomes, again, a part of the ensemble. He has a place, and his, even though he isn't super powerful, and even though, uh, you know, he, the things that he does sometimes work, a lot of the times they work, a lot of the times they don't, and literally most of the series, he'll go, I'm gonna help out, you know, he's gonna, the people make fun of Poe Dameron, or they said, well, why didn't they let Poe Dameron do that thing in The Last Jedi? Because not every time you do that, it works out. And that's how it works out for Tetsuro. And I loved that. I loved that he didn't 
just immediately saved the day. And so, you know, I really loved uh, all the gunslave design. Obviously, that caught me in the first place, Juzo. I really like all the extended designs. Like, uh, what's his face? Mega armed. Uh, I don't. What did you call him? Uh, you said something about the Buddha. Oh, <laughs> yeah. What was his name? Uh, that was uh, that was Chris Savitt's character, and I just <laughs> I don't know. We were just watching it. Uh, would probably ruin a, a a great work of art like this if we ever did a you know a live reaction viewing or whatever of us. But I I I just made this 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 passing remark about cyberpunk buddha cyberpunk buddha that's <laughs> was, what it was i was like oc do not steal and that's gonna be my um everyone listening uh no I, you can run with it if you want but but no that uh maybe someday i'll do that that'll be my uh cyberpunk uh noir neo-noir uh work i'll do a short work called cyberpunk buddha and then i will follow that up with uh, steampunk jesus and then uh if i'm well We'll see from there, you know. We'll 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 talk it over with our with our editor and stuff at like that. But but no, that was <laughs> that was just I couldn't I couldn't help but think. Um, I think his name was uh, Tokisada. Is that his name? I there? believe so. Yeah, was, Tokisada. Uh, I, I I heard even through the um, the uh, slight modulation of his voice. I'm like, ah, that's oh, that's, that's Chris Savitt. That that's definitely him. And I think that was well casted. Again, that was I couldn't help. And I think. Whoever did the casting did a great job on this. Please, other anime, do it like this. Okay, just oh, in every yeah. way, Absolutely. did a great job. And, you, you know, it, it's part of that, uh, like I always like to say, um, steering into the skid sometimes. Sometimes that's, if, if you're in a, oh no, a bad way on the ice, that's how you actually get out of it. It seems counterintuitive. Uh, but here, I mean it in a, in, a, in a slightly lesser way of like, the dude is hitting the ground and you know whoever's casting that maybe it was a coincidence but i think probably you know they did what i did it's like you know what little nod here to uh alex Luis armstrong here that, that got some vibes uh there mary you 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 cannot help it if you're a full metal alchemist fan like me you cannot help it she's great she's her own character i i love the interactions between her and juzo and uh her and uh tetsuro but uh you, She's basically Winry. I mean, she she really is in 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 uh, in in so many ways, um, very similar to Winry there. So I can't even remember what I was gonna uh, transition into with that. But but well, no, I was just gonna say I don't know if you saw this, but I really liked Crone, and I'm like, oh, he's John Bergmeier. Oh my gosh! Wow. Oh well, the 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 pockets are for Skittles, uh, Kuabara. That's what I'm used to. <laughs> As, as Karama from uh, from Yu Yu Hakusho, but that's that's awesome. So this was a great mix of veteran talent, and uh, and I, I could be wrong on this. I don't keep up with dubs as much as as uh, I, I probably used to, um, but it, there was a lot of um, fresh talent for me anyway. I mean, um, you know, uh, maybe some some earlier in their careers, but um, you know, especially like Chris Ryan, he really sounds like. Um, surely he's been doing this a while i haven't looked it up though but he he was he was absolutely well casted as juzo as was uh, a shout out here to uh tyler walker as uh cunningham uh oh we were just so funny is it speaking of jojos i was seeing that with olivia oh, but, but uh, i don't how do, how, so that's how they okay ah we is a french okay so yeah olivia so yeah they, i was seeing some uh kind of you know parts five and six jojo's vibes oh, yeah. a little bit like you said and then that's hilarious because cunningham he looks like a he looks like a pudgy little deal brando you know he's just like, like fatty brando <laughs> you you thought you were going to buy cigarettes but it was i cunningham and so perfect casting there i was a fan of uh of of, of tyler's work as as someone in adr and casting and uh, he shows here that He's great at acting too. I think that was just that was just great casting there, and uh, so I really love Juzo as uh, kind of the 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 protagonist, if you will. But again, ensemble cast, everybody gets kind of their moment to shine, and you can see this rich world that the authors created through these other lenses. And you know, like Tetsuro, you see where he's coming from um, as a naive young kid, but like you pointed out, when you have an older author 
who is probably aligns more with Juzo. Um, you know, he, he sees the kind of the, the short-sightedness of it and the, how that can backfire and the folly of it. And it's great, though. He slaps him around a little bit, but, you know, ultimately, um, you know, helping him get back on his feet, helping him learn these sorts of lessons. And, boy, just every character reveal, I, I think you touched on this, nothing felt, nobody felt forced in the in in the in the group i mean everybody you know uh even <laughs> what's his name i just got the needle guy you know oh, I mean, Cronin. he yeah he is he is a great um you know much more of a um slightly different role than uh than karama before but similar in other ways and interesting character great foil for uh sometimes in some ways for uh for juzo but they team up when they need to I don't know where he would fit on the. I'm a little rusty on my D and D alignment charts. So if he's a like a lawful neutral, or if he's a chaotic neutral, something like that. That chaotic might chaotic good. Well, he well, you know, he right. sticks he to chaotic. the he sticks yeah. to the law, right? No matter yeah. what. So it's 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 almost not doing what's right, no matter what. It's I will follow the law. So no lawful neutral what. probably As something like that. So that's a very interesting interesting dynamic uh when he's paired up with juzo uh like that and you know you know something i also miss I, i've been watching like deep space nine again because netflix and it's funny how i think we were talking about this before and speaking of steering into the skid they said you know what guy has a gun for a head puns wordplay do it sweating bullets uh smoking gun do it i'm so glad they did that and something about that just kind of reminded me of that era like deep space nine doesn't quite have the edge that no guns life does but but that whole i i really like between juzo and cronin the dynamic of like hey fuck you oh fuck you uh well fuck you and but ultimately you know it's like yeah get in the car fuck you all right did you ding up my car fuck you fuck you and <laughs> but but ultimately you know when push comes to shove if not not by the power of friendship but because of uh the the ems has has an interest involved or someone's personal sense of 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 the law and justice and order uh juzo's uh you know devotion to his own hey i haven't finished the job yet almost remind me a little bit of uh paradigm city and a certain negotiator but you know just just that i don't know just I, it's hard to explain it it's very off the cuff here but that that dynamic of just I mean, it, it's edgy, I guess. And like, you kind of remember, like once we got past that in like the 2000s, well, in some ways, uh, we got more, we stopped looking to the stars and, you know, after, you know, 9-11 and things like that, we were, we were much more, in certain ways we were cynical, but in others, I guess cynical we got, but like that 90s edge, people started looking at that as like, well, then we moved into emo, I guess, with the music and stuff. So people kind of started looking at it. A different way and i'm just i'm glad to see that edge back where it, it's not it's not the classic buddy cop of like you know yeah uh, not quite damn it juzo uh, you're reckless but but damn it you get results it's not it's not quite that uh you know and it, it's not quite like you know hey look uh look here frieza i know we don't get along and we're enemies but we're gonna have to team up on like it's it's not corny either it's just it's just that edge of like fuck you i hate you i hate you too no, we got, you know, and, but they're, they're joining up to fight this guy. Um, I like when, uh, when Juzo, not so much faith in the guy, oh, he's going to help me, but faith, but faith in what he's going to do. He was waiting for him, uh, when, uh, what's his name was trying to get away. Gondry. When Gondry was trying to get away and, and, uh, his, his sub brain was overheating and then boom, there was needle guy like, gotcha, boom, hit him and, uh, and, you know, tagged him and bagged him. So um man i i love that i love i love just about everything about this this anime i don't know um you know where you might want to want to go from there in terms of i mean the music even music was great i don't know who, who, who was the i don't even know who at this who who the uh the the artist was in the opening but I'm like, oh my gosh i'm getting some pillows vibes like i'm like this is everything about this I, I, i'm going yes and so fortunately um as i had heard it has also been uh greenlit for a second season later this year so uh really excited about that 
Yeah, according to uh, this, this being Wikipedia, uh, someone by the name of Kenji Kawaii did the, uh, com- the like the jazzy noir type music. And then the opening was done by, what's that? Oh, Kenichi Asai did Motor City, which is the opening, which has a very Pillows vibe to it. And then the ending theme was uh, called Dots, D-A-T-S, exclamation point, exclamation point. And that was, well, the theme song was called Game Over by Dots. Uh, but I, the thing that I really, really, oh, the music, the music is, uh, I'm a big music person. So if the music is one, uh, really overproduced J-pop, I immediately am dry as a desert as far as like how much I love that series. I'm like, fuck this, I'm out. Uh, but the music, both the opening and the ending sounded like a band, like a, a musician people made it. Uh, the music in the series fits perfectly. It like the, the kind of jazzy, smooth stuff really fits with the whole kind of noir vibe they have with Juzo. Uh, I said this when we were watching the fight between Mega Armed and Juzo was I felt like I was watching Batman the Animated Series that's that as a kid that's what i thought i thought that's what it felt like is it had that it had big o vibes it had batman vibes it had that like it wasn't that i didn't feel like i was watching anime but i just really enjoyed what i was watching which hasn't been a lot of anime in the last couple of years so it but it was i really felt like all of the pieces came together really well and you know i i really the, the one thing i really hope happens with this series is that it gets turned into a movie just so one i can watch it on the big screen and two, I feel like if this series had a little bit more budget, it would look phenomenal. I mean, not that it doesn't look phenomenal now with what they're doing. I think it looks really great. And it has that, uh, you know, in many ways, not just the obvious references to Ava, but it does, a lot, it uses a lot of the Gainax techniques to get around not having a big budget. Because you'll notice a lot of the extended when they talk, their mouths don't move a lot. And you go, oh, they're, why are they doing that? It's like, well, but aha they get around that because they're robots they're extended so like when uh i think his name is wong or it's wong one of the uh the kusei mafia people when he's talking he only opens his mouth and then the sound comes out because it's like oh his jaw is a robotic it's an extended piece it's an extend and so you're like oh okay that makes sense you're thinking smartly how to get around not having a big budget you're thinking smartly how to do that or like tetsuro tetsuro has to talk through something else because his vocal cords got trashed because of harmony. So that he has like a little robotic mannequin head with him. And so whenever he's talking again, his mouth is only open because you're going, Oh, that's because he has to use harmony enough to get to this little thing over here to talk. So it's beautifully done working around the budget. That's funny. I don't know why I didn't think of it now, but uh, kind of some, uh, some mild uh, God of war vibes there. He's got a carrying a, carrying a head along with you, but, but no, I mean, that, that's absolutely right. And, you know, unless you have a big budget, like you said, like of a movie, you know, look at uh, look at look at the Broly movie versus the rest of Super. I mean, one's a TV show one, you know. So even though hopefully, uh, you know, uh, No Gun's Life is, is not in as dire straits as like Ava was, um, you know, when it was when it was first uh, being when it's being produced and first aired. Um, you know, yeah, absolutely. You're always looking to save some costs when you can. And and I had even said, I remember one of the episodes of, uh, you know, flashbacks when you are, uh, you know, your TV show and you got to previously on, duh, 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 you got to uh, get your, your audience who might not have seen it since last day, last week, uh, who knows how long. Um, but... <laughs> So that was fine for the most part. There was just one, and it was when they were dealing with the two girls that were um, in service to Baru and Corp. Tetsuro had a, fl- a flashback to what the the dying girl was saying like three times, and one of them was like, "With look, I I literally said out loud, like that. I I heard her say that sixty seconds ago, and so I I know again that's a well animation is expensive. You takes you 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 take those when you can to uh, to save on some money." that's relatable that's understandable you know but uh so again like you said fortunately any little thing where it blemishes we dare say um like that or you know bit of exposition in the beginning so you 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 get oriented to where you are in this in this world in this story those trappings quickly fall to the wayside uh as the series gains momentum so 
you know, what more can you ask for? There's enough in the first episode that gets you like, oh man, I'm really interested. I'm okay. Like, you know, tell me more, tell me more. Uh, and then it builds up some momentum from there. Cause you got to give, you got to give something time. You got to have time to get familiar with characters. Uh, you got to give them time to, uh, to grow on you uh, a little bit. I'm, you know, again, so happy to say like, uh, we did, I did a podcast on it. I enjoyed the devil's a part-timer, but as I probably said therein, I felt it was a little premise heavy and, uh, there's, you know, good characters, funny moments, but once it, it, it never really grew past that premise. It was like, Oh, well, what if the demon Lord worked at a McDonald's? And then it's like demon Lord works at a McDonald's and then pretty much cliche otaku stuff after that. I'm like, I was just I was so disappointed because my expectations were raised. Um, so I guess maybe something else to to maybe touch on. I mean, I don't know what else is to, there's to say about it, maybe wrapping up here a bit. But, you know, I, I hope this will be remedied soon because as of this recording, you know, it, it started airing what? Late, uh, you know, fall 2019? Is that when No Guns Life started airing? Or? I want to say... Yeah, uh, it looks, according to Wikipedia anyway. Yeah, it was like uh, September? October. October. Um, and so, you know... So it is still pretty it is still pretty new. So I really hope that and who knows by the time y'all are listening to this, maybe that will be remedy. But ANN, Crunchyroll, whoever wants to step up to the to the plate here and because uh, right now there's they're seeing no English interviews with the author, uh, with the director. I'm not seeing a producer. I'm I'm i you know, I I'm seeing a now granted, I, I I just got into this and I've not been vehemently uh or or aggressively look sought it out yet for discussion i'm sure there are people buzzing about this but uh, you know i i'm seeing a kind of a d disappointing lack of buzz so far i, I really want to see uh hopefully more people talking about it that's what we're trying to do here yeah you got any thoughts on on you know why that why that is, is it just because it's too recent um or i mean what you know why why aren't more outlets why aren't more people talking about this it's a problem of anime right now in general is there's just so much stuff that comes out each season. And unfortunately, something like No Guns Life, it's... I don't want to necessarily say it's a problem of reviewers, though I see it happen with some outlets, is they're going through stuff so quickly and they're not given anything. They're, whereas me and you, we're looking at like, oh, look at all of these really good things that are happening. A lot of people and a lot of reviewers who are looking, who are literally overdosing on anime they see one little thing wrong with it and they're like ah it's, it's horrible i dropped it they don't the th the problem that i see with a lot of reviewers and i don't think and it's just the nature of it and i think a lot more people should stop binging so much is one you don't appreciate the, the things that are actually good more and with no guns life and this is how i approach everything not just no guns is i can see where it would be easy for someone to go oh this is cheap animation i'm not going to watch it I always look at the big picture. I always look at, does, do the things that it's actually trying to get across and do, are they doing that successfully and are they doing it well? Uh, if it's doing it well and it's good, I am willing to overlook certain things. No Guns Life is the absolute, the absolute uh, definition of that because it is very limited in the way that it does things. It's very much like JoJo in that way. And the... Very rarely does it really go into the super Dragon Ball Z-esque fighting, the Z fighting. But when it does, it's for these battles that have been building up over an episode or two. And that's really important because if they blew the animation on just nothing, then you run into the problem that a lot of Trigger or Gynax episodes do where they'll blow a lot of animation and then they have another fight scene coming up and it has to be animated in 3D and it looks bad. No Guns Life obviously went through and said, okay, what's important and what's not to animate well, and we're going to do that. And also, I feel like No Guns Life is something that I, f I feel it attracts, I don't want to say that it attracts different people, but I feel, I, I can see where people would look at, oh, he has a gun for a head, and then they would immediately drop it, because they don't think that it has anything beyond that. Whereas me and you were commenting on this while we were watching it, that it actually has way more going on than just Juzo having a gun for a head. 
every time we would think, oh, well, they've they've fixed this one little thing. Oh, there's this swerve over here, or there's this other background thing. Or, oh, it's connecting to this thing that we saw two or three episodes ago that we didn't remember because at the time we didn't think it was big. No Gun's Life, the way it tells its story is very, very good. And unfortunately, I don't. If you're a typical anime watcher and you look at something like No Gun's Life, you're probably not going to appreciate it as much as somebody who came in from anime a little bit earlier. I, I, I think there's something to that. I, I think, um, you know, as to why it's not being talked about here, I mean, I, I, that's as good of explanation. That and it's, it's so new, I, I think is as good as any. Um, you know, and I, I, I think when you were wading into the subjective waters of, you know, well, who's watching this, who might enjoy it kind of thing, you know, it's not to say that obviously Japanese viewers love, you know, Cowboy Bebop or Trigun um, or some of these things with a bit more of a Western in some way or another um, sensibility. And so I, I think here, I think subjectively, like, and admittedly, it, it's it's just an inundation thing. I think we probably said on the same podcast before, pizza's great. But if you have pizza every day, you're going to get tired of pizza after a while. And all it takes is somebody going along like, bam, check it out. Like, New York Strip, nice steak for you. Oh, man. Like, yeah, now we're talking. You want, you just want something different. Do you hate pizza? No, it's just I, I'm inundated with it. I, I, I'm so kind of, again, um, uh, so glad stuff like this exists to be different and to look different and to, uh, again, from an older uh protagonist and an older author's perspective it is so different that's why diversity is important you get different perspectives and different voices um it's not some cheap throwaway that you get from marketing it there is a a purpose for it and this is one of them and uh but here you know i think admittedly i i subjectively responding a lot more to this because it's it's not so quote unquote japanese and that's a very problematic statement i realize but you know, you had kind of touched on it when you said it's hard to just to describe it because it sounds wrong when 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 it's coming out. But when you say like, I didn't feel like I was watching an anime. Well, what does that mean? Well, I think for you, it's similar to me. I had a similar feeling with Bakano, and it was a great dub thanks to Tyler Walker. And the setting of it was America, America, America. It's very American in that way, and essentially. The reason why you get that feeling like you're watching something when you were a kid again too is because when you're a kid watching anime, um, it's probably a little different now because we're so much more connected. But back then, you didn't you didn't think of this thing as oh it's Japanese, and you didn't think of this other thing as American. You just saw it as a cartoon or something on TV that you watched and you either liked or didn't for whatever you know kinds of reasons. Um, I didn't think of Dragon Ball Z as Japanese when I watched it in 1999. Um, you know, the uh, a dude that comes out of a space pod and catches a bullet and the, the, the art style that I was not accustomed to at that point, that caught my eye. I said, ah, oh, what is this? I want to see more. So here, when we are, we're, we're, we're adults, we're also very used to anime and talking about the, 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 the production of it, the people behind it, the cultural aspect of it, all these things. And so when we get something that is not ostensibly Japanese on the outside, which again is problematic. You look at Bakano versus Darawara, which is set in, same author, set in contemporary Japan. So it does have a different feel. So when we American viewers get something that has some American trappings, the overcoat, the the private eye, film noir, which again has, you know, a lot of, you know, chiascuro lighting, it's an Italian thing, a lot of uh, you know, French elements in there as well, all of that. Again, all these prob these containers are problematic, but that's very American. You know, like I said, guns, very American, the, you know, the, the, the one-liners and, and, and all this stuff, it's, it's it, uh, very, I think, touches our American sensibilities in a special way. And, uh, and, and, and so again, when you see something that is, and, and it's fiction, it, it resembles those things, but it's not those things. This is a this is a world that resembles our own. A lot of commentary can be extracted about uh, big, powerful corporations and stuff like that, and cover ups and government being involved. But at the same time, it's not our world. It's it's uh, you know we have these uh, these enhanced uh, humans, guys with guns for heads. We don't quite have that in our world. Um, 
you know, but I, I, so I think that I got a bit of that feeling too in, in that when we, when I, when I say I, I didn't feel like I was watching an anime, it's, I just, I completely got absorbed into what I was watching again, like I did when I was young. And so therefore, if it's been a while since you've had that feeling since watching anime, you're all of a sudden taken back there and you feel that like, oh my gosh, or something like Batman, you know, again, where you were not really thinking of it as American because you were American. It, it, it's, it's just, you know, you were thinking of it through these other lenses of a superhero or, oh man, look at, um, you know, the, the, the this or that villain or, or just whatever. You know, I, I think, again, I, I, I don't want to come across as like, oh, well, I like anime when it's not so Japanese. But i got to be honest, there's a little bit of that. There's a little bit of that. when, the, and, and that doesn't mean just Western. Again, Outlaw Star, a lot of Chinese iconography, a lot of Chinese flavor to it. Um, and so what that is just an example of, it's, it's, it's an example of, of, of anime branching out and showing that this medium, this art form, and as, as something commercially viable, it, it's, it can do more. And uh, even now, 2020, when you think like, oh, I've seen it all, I've seen, you know, no guns life, you can see some ingredients here and there, but I'm happy to say I've never had this, this dish. I've never had this particular unique dish served up to me before. And I'm so glad I did. I enjoyed every bite of it. <laughs> no, I was just going to say, uh, we have 12 more episodes coming in April of 2020. And uh, I'm excited. I'm excited to see where it goes. I'm excited to see 12 more episodes of, oh, one more thing I wanted to say that I really like that uh, it would be an easy trap that you see so many anime do. Uh, many of the women are in mildly provocative or in provocative clothes, but at no point, at no, almost no point in the entire 12 episodes so far, have there been like really over the top fan service. There's almost none. It literally just like, oh, they're in a skimpy outfit, but that's it. That doesn't take any kind of precedent. They don't ever really do the stereotypical fan service thing. It's done. And you would think, you would think, except for like in the intro where uh, Mary and uh, what's her name? The girl. I don't remember what her name is. The girl, the girl, the daughter of the dude with the PlayStation on his head. Uh, Scarlet, uh, Scarlet and Mary, they're, they're in bikinis and they jump into like what you would think is a pool, but that doesn't actually ever show up in the series. Like there's no fan service. It, it's, it's very well, it's very well done in that regard. And that, yes, they have skimpy outfits. Is there any fan service or fan service shots? No. And I'm like, thank you. Like they, it's, it's like I said, I've not, I've pretty much nothing but glowing things to say about no gun of life. And I'm excited for, uh, I'm excited for the second set of 12 episodes season two i'm glad you brought that up it's kind of like a uh, laura mulvey uh when she was writing about the the male gaze and how in you know the field of, of film uh which was you know very visual medium that the um i'm paraphrasing her but you know the the appearance of a woman or a feminine figure would uh would tend to halt or freeze the the line of action or the plot for these moments of erotic contemplation. And so wonderfully here, you have that element to it. It's kind of like a, almost, you know, whatever, like a, like a lot of action flicks, like a Mad Max kind of thing, whatever. Like there's that element. There's what's her name with the other, um, with the other gunslave. She's very sexually aggressive in, in, in her kind of weird, um, some allusions to the dom and submissive kind of thing, but that doesn't stop the the action. That doesn't stop what's happening. Um, and and it is it is not. I mean, in in that in that kind of way, I'm sure some people will find that uh, appealing in that way of like you know, oh, it's so cool. Like or or um or Juzo, you know, the way he just you know. It's kind of funny there how you have these moments again look look very much like Al from FMA, where there'll be these super deformed moments of him, and you see him as he is a uh, he is a human he is a he, he is a man in there, and he'll have these funny little moments uh, super deformed very very sparingly, um, you know. So I, I think that counters in a way, you know, what would otherwise be part of his appeal to women probably is not just he's a male author here and he's chiseled. But, but, you know, he, he is masculinity to the extreme because he, you can't see him 
cry. You can't see his emotions on his face. You can't, uh, you don't see that. You just see this, this, this very, uh, like you said, and what we responded to, like what, what's really cool about that is like, oh, he's so nonchalant about everything. That's a badass. You know what I mean? And I'm, 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 I'm sorry to say, but like, you know, we, we used to be inundated that with, with that in American culture, we still kind of are. Um, but I, I'm so glad that we're getting a little bit of that back. You know what I mean? Like, no, this dude, he's got shoulders on him and, uh, he, he, there's a lot of the, the macho display, uh, kind of thing, but then also that kind of thing, like you said, with the, uh, the very varied cast of, of female characters as well, who are, who are, who are different in so many ways. And you're right. That's just an, yet another thing about this. That's refreshing. That guess what folks, anime didn't used to be like that. You know, here you could have a, a, a character, whatever she's showing, uh, some cleavage or whatever, and you can feel however you want to feel about that. That's, that's valid, whichever way, but that's, that's how it used to be. You know, when, when, you know, yeah, there were these, a lot of times it was, it was male dominated, um, in the production of these things or the authors of, of manga and stuff, but there was a little bit of that eye candy, but that wasn't the, that wasn't why you bought the ticket to the show. That wasn't the show. And it certainly wasn't a genre all into itself. It was just, it was a little bit of eye candy there. Just like you got some moments like, you know, a little bit of eye candy for the ladies or for whoever you've got, you've got little moments like that, but it, it doesn't, it doesn't halt everything dead in its tracks. Like, uh, like Colt did to that train or, uh, or, or, or actually more, more accurately, like, uh, like Juzo did when he literally derailed that, that train was just like, uh, nope, this is your last stop. We're getting off here. So, um, so yeah, I'm excited for more too. And, uh, I hope this gets more people into it and more people watching it, more people talking about it. So anything, any other final thoughts, uh, before we bow out? The only thing, I mean, that I can add that is pretty self-explanatory at this point if you've made it this far is you need to watch no guns life you need to watch it on whatever platform you can uh support the official release when it comes out because it absolutely deserves being bought and watched again and again and uh i know that the manga is still ongoing so i hope at the very least with season two coming out that uh what we've been set up so far to see you know we figure out everything that we're hopefully going to figure out and maybe as the monitor keeps going maybe we'll get a movie so yeah just support no guns life because this is the kind of sf that we need to see more of in the future i agree there certainly do and uh you know still as of this recording i don't think they have dubbed the last episode of this season but you know on that note just whoever's doing it i'm always a person like hey quality takes time so you know if it's not literally uh you know simul dubs i'm okay with that because this is quality. I will wait for, uh, you know, and, and the, the dub is, has been uh, up to par, I think, for the high bar that this series has set. So thank you all for tuning in once again to listen. And uh, I do hope to have more installments of the podcast coming out, um, working on other projects as well at this time. And uh, yeah, everything that was said, if, if, you, if you enjoyed this, please consider subscribing. And uh, this, this episode... Uh, was brought to you by Did You Know Anime? And uh, if you would like to also be a sponsor for just a dollar, I do have a Patreon, I just remembered. Do still technically have that. But regardless, um, you know, I, I, we do this when we can in our, in our spare time. And, and thank you all again uh, for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. And we'll see you next time.